Hello and welcome to the World of Emotions and the Emotion Focus podcast, a series all about emotions, how they work for us, how sometimes seemingly they don't work for us, and how we can best understand that and maybe be able to do something about it. I'm Lou Cooper, I'm your host, and I'm based in Nam, Melbourne, Australia, and I'm joined in this series by people from around the globe who have dedicated most of their professional lives to the exploration of emotions. Everything you hear on this series is informed by emotion theory and emotion-focused therapy. In this episode, we meet sadness head-on. It's an emotion that most of us have encountered at some time, and it's an emotion that we associate with tears, although, you know, you can feel really sad without expressing that through tears. And I'm aware that for many people listening, the conversation that I'm about to have may hit some pretty raw spots. So please look after yourself and if you need to, reach out for support. I'm joined in this episode by Juliet Becking, who is a clinical psychologist and psychotherapist and the founder of the Emotion Focused Institute in the Netherlands. Thanks for joining me, Juliet. Thanks for having me, Lou. There's a reason, isn't there, why therapy rooms are always full of tissues. As therapists, we're used to sadness and we're used to tears. But I think as a species, many of us really struggle with sadness. And sometimes the therapist is much more ready for sadness than the the client may be. So my experience is that you know, I meet people who are either completely overwhelmed by their sadness or they're struggling to access and express their sadness. Is that how you kind of see sadness as well? Is that how you experience it with clients? Mm, Yes, absolutely. I I absolutely recognize what you say. And I think as a therapist, I'm always kind of relieved or happy for my clients if they can, like, attend and be in touch with their sadness in a not overwhelming way, but exactly the fear of being so overwhelmed by sadness is, is, is awful. So I think the job is to find a way to, to reach it, but not being overwhelmed and also not to be not in touch with it. So we want to be in touch with the sadness because I think being a human being, we will all encounter sadness or sad things or lose loved ones or be disappointed or even betrayed maybe. So sadness is such a vital part of being human and I think it's very important to be in touch with our emotions and sadness is of course a very important emotion because being in touch with it will help us find out what we need. It's like I sometimes see it or even talk about it like like a wound. And that wound needs to be taken care of or has to be in the air in a way. We cover our wounds and the body cannot heal. So when you're saying that we need to reach out for what we need when we're feeling sad, 
Juliet, when I talked about, you know, being overwhelmed by sadness, you know, often it's it's not possible to do anything when you're overwhelmed by sadness, to reach out for your need or even know what you need. Yes, I think that's that's like like the problem because in the sadness itself, it's if it's not overwhelming, we can find what you need in the way that let's say if I'm sad, I'm and I'm in touch with it, I can and it differs like every time. One day maybe I need to withdraw and be alone. The other day it could be I have to reach out to my best friends and be soothed. But if it's overwhelming, indeed, you cannot like like read it. If the book is too close to your eyes, you cannot read the the, the signs or the the sentences or the meaning. So I think in therapy, that's a very important part to have a safe environment where you, step by step you can work on this and try to find ways to have the right like like almost distance, like finding some self like. There's me and there's this big sadness. But if it's overwhelming, you lose the me part. There's no me. I mean, it's very, very frightening to be overwhelmed because it feels like you you, you disappear or will never recover. So it turns into I am sadness rather than I am sad. Yeah, or I, something in me is very sad or I carry this deep sadness. And it's, it is very sad to be sad, of course, but... It's more awful to be overwhelmed by sadness or, or fear or be overwhelmed by whatever emotion, I think. I think that's a deep, deep fear of all people. And I, and I think in this respect, it's very important like to, to make a kind of distinction to new wounds or old wounds, like old pain, that's sometimes much more difficult to bear or or to have this, this, what we call working distance, like there's me and there's this big sadness. It also depends on the kind of sadness, I think. And when you're talking about new wounds and old wounds, if it's a new wound, it's likely that the person that's experienced that wound will know what that sadness is about, and that's going to make things a lot easier, Yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, because then it makes it makes sense and all the people around you do understand that this happens to you, this happened to you and it's it's like awful or even devastating and it's so no wonder you're sad and then it's not that, that can be overwhelming by times but yeah, you can make sense of it and, and it's like easier to to understand it's not that frightening it's just very very painful and sad then it's i think easier to be in touch with what it needs or what it wants you to do or yeah the the tears are, are probably lots of tears but they are they make sense and it's good to have the tears it's it's relieving tears and it's connecting sadness often so that will by time heal but if it's more like an old sadness that's triggered again and again, and then what makes it very complicated is when, when in your history or what happened to you as a child or growing up, you started to believe like it's me or there's something about me or I'm not like this negative self-talk, like you see I'm not lovable or you see when there's a breakup or something, somebody's leaving you or, there's a disappointment, and you start to 
to think about it again in this way, like it's the story of my life, or that I will never be happy, or I don't deserve it, or something wrong with me. That's very sad, but in another way, very painful. It's kind of like getting trapped in the sadness. Exactly, exactly. You can be completely, completely stuck in this very, very painful sadness because it's like hopeless. It's hopelessness. It's sadness with this hopeless flavor. And that's that's another kind of sadness and another kind of pain. And it makes you withdraw or it makes you... It's almost unbearable. So that is very overwhelming. And it's like the same old story or the story of my life. And it, it's that deep, deep pain that you're stuck in. And being stuck in that, when you're talking about it being overwhelming, that it's old, that it's maybe not understood, it's easy to do things to so that you don't actually you don't actually feel that sadness and and maybe not even know that it's there yeah exactly exactly so maybe that's what we you started to talk about overwhelming and under under regulating not being in touch with it that that's, that's very well possible that it's in fact underlying and so unbearable that you find found always of dealing with it because it's old and probably started in your childhood and started to, to think about it, like I'm not lovable or that's so painful or there's something wrong with me. And you find ways to, to cover it up. And this can end up in, in well, all ways of not, not feeling this core pain by, I don't know, addiction, depression, anxieties, sleeplessness, um, acting out. And then you're, in fact, suffering the old underlying wound, but not being able to be in touch with it. So so not being able to heal it, in fact. And I think that's what's therapy about, of course. To be able to heal. And and as you mentioned, you know, anxiety may sit on, cover it up with anxiety. You're suggesting that, you know, a lot of people that experience anxiety and have difficulties with anxiety, the the key is not sort of managing the anxiety necessarily, but being able to access the sadness that the person might not know is there. That might very well be possible, very well be possible. Well, to make it more complicated, it could be the other way around, that, that you feel sad or like hopeless and you're not in touch with underlying anxiety. But now we're talking about the sadness and it's very well possible that these old wounds where you, as a child, probably didn't get what you needed, not the comfort, not the reassurance, not the guidance, and you were left all like alone and feeling abandoned and hopeless. And that's a very, very sad state to be in. And you, you like cover it up and are stuck in the anxiety. That's the sad thing. <laughs> cover it up, but I guess as a child, it's not necessarily the child. I mean, the child is covering up, but the child will be encouraged in some way th because of the environment or the people surrounding them to to not engage with those with that sadness. I was going to say with those tears, but let's just say with the sadness. Yes. When there is so much sadness, there's a lot of fear associated with sadness. You know, if I start crying... I'm, I may never stop, for instance. Hmm. 
Yes, I, I think we all have experienced that feeling that it's so like deep and will will never stop. But I think the experience is, is if you are in touch with it and the body cries or there are the tears. I think there are all kinds of tears, like like this deep hopeless tears that if if you if you sink into this deep old hopelessness where you start to evaluate yourself as there will is no hope for you, it's all about you, there's something wrong with you, then you you lose connection with self and the world. So I think that's the very important distinction. If it's if it's tears from the wound, like the wound is bleeding, it, it's it's almost necessary. It's relieving tears. So I think when there is the tears, that's wow. In the end, you you you're relieved. Maybe very tired, but the body feels relieved, and it's connecting. It's connecting to self, connecting to the world, connecting tears. I mean. Because then there's this, maybe you want to listen music, or you listen music and there's the tears, there's connection. But if it's the tears from like the hopelessness, it's like you can sink deeper and deeper into this almost swamp of of loneliness or hopelessness. And I think then we really need to help somebody to get in touch with some underlying needs or to help with this negative evaluation, as we say, like telling yourself, Start somehow, somewhere you started to tell yourself it was about me. I'm not lovable. I'm not worth it. And if that's like almost automatically in your in your system, then you're really stuck, and you can feel like this will never stop. I have to avoid these tears and being in touch with it because, in fact, indeed you're stuck, and it's not relieving. So for therapy in the therapy room we really need to make this this distinction and but this connecting tears these relieving tears i always welcome them (laughs) i think they help us we have a wise organism the organism knows we always say (laughs) yeah so we need to let those tears in but i'm i'm wondering whether you often see people that have new sadness and are very aware what that sadness is, but find it difficult to recognize that some of that sadness maybe is connected to, if you want, old stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you go about helping people un- understand that? Yeah. Or how do you distinguish, you know, how do we work out whether this yeah. actually is sadness to do with a, a recent loss of some sort or whether it is attached to an old wound, maybe a childhood wound. Yeah, so I think for me, as I, I see it in, in therapy, it's like we we start to explore together. We do it like together. We, it's a collaborative expedition, you could say. And so, of course, we have we are experts on this, this on emotions. But together we build like the narrative and we will find out like almost the taste of it or the way you treat yourself or the way you, you, you start to think about yourself. We will like find out together and get in touch with it. So getting in touch with it is always like like very, very important or, or a condition to know what kind of sadness it is. 
And in a safe relationship, it's so much more easy to, to get in touch with pain that you normally avoid because it's so overwhelming or sadness or so together. It's, I think, a human condition that in a safe relationship, maybe a partner, maybe a friend, maybe a therapist, it's safer, it's easier, but it's necessary to be in touch with it. So that's a big part of it. And you talked about the relief that people feel when Mm. at last they are able to experience that sadness. Exactly, exactly. And what impact does that have? I mean, you know, if, if you're experiencing sadness right now in relation to something that's going on now, is that a good time to also be, you know, delving into past sadnesses? Like do our sadnesses all kind of join up? And create a bigger sadness? <laughs> yeah. If the sadness in your life didn't get what it needs, like being soothed, loved, hugged, protected, affirmed, like, yes, it's, it's not about you, it's just sad, then it will probably work like that. Like it's like it, it, it's, it's one above the other. And then it's very difficult to cope with the new sadness because there's old and not processed old sadness that will be touched yeah so if every experience of sadness that we ha- ever had was looked after cared for as you say soothed if that happened do you reckon that we would be much much better at experiencing sadness later in life Oh, yes, I absolutely think so, because sadness is part of life. We cannot live without sadness. <laughs> and it's it's and painful, but it tells us what we need and where we have to go. And if it's not taken care of or it's so stuck, sadness becomes a threatening thing. So it reminds of it. We don't want to feel it. We just don't want to feel it because it's so painful or it's connected to this helplessness or maybe even shame if you're shamed about your sadness and that's like this unbearable stuck place we don't want to go and then we cannot be sad about something that's just sad and we need to be sad about sad things because this way we can we can cope and we know what we need so it's it's very it's 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 awful in fact to be cut off of of sadness it's sad to be not to be able to be sad, in fact. <laughs> we need to let those tears fall. Mm-hmm. And if there's just too many of them, if you're overwhelmed or if it is stuck, that's when we need to reach out and get some some help with it. I think so, yeah. We can be in touch with it and we it will tell us what we need and then we'll be in a good place. In the end, we will be in a safe place with maybe scarves that, but it will be healed. And then when after five years there will be another sad thing or two years or two weeks, it's again a new like sadness and then we can cope. We can cope and listen to it and, and, and create the circumstances that we need because I think the body or the organism is, is, is wise. It tells us what we need and it's impossible to avoid sadness. So, yeah. And tears, the good tears, the connecting tears are very helpful. 
very helpful for us in life. And hopefully that is helpful for people that are listening to this that may be experiencing some kind of loss and in in the middle of sadness and profound sadness as as they listen to this. Juliet, thank you very much for talking to me about this. Thank you very much, Lou. It was my pleasure. Juliet Becking is a clinical psychologist and psychotherapist and the founder of the Emotion Focus Institute in the Netherlands. And if you'd like to find out more about this podcast or anything that you've heard here and the people that you've heard here, please check in with the website, emotionfocused.com. Thank you.